Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Please be seated. Good neighbors are easy to love. When we moved here about almost four years ago now, we moved away from friends and family and the neighbors that we knew, and we didn't really know anyone. And so I'm not sure how we would have made it were it not for the wonderful, generous hospitality of the neighbors who lived on, on our new block. Folks who could keep a spare key, who could tell us how not to park illegally in Shaker Heights. Very important. Those who could tell us where to find a good gutter service. And thanks to text messaging, the frontiers of neighborliness have only expanded. So a couple of years ago, we had just gotten one of those beautiful 18 inch pristine snowfalls, which I still kind of enjoy coming from North Carolina. You didn't have that there. And I went outside before anything had been plowed, anything had been moved. It was so thick. I thought, you know, I'm going to play a little bit. What would happen if I just sort of collapsed back into the snow? Anybody ever done that? Yeah, right, exactly. But just let it catch. This is hazardous in North Carolina. You don't want to do it there. But here I just went out and I just went And I thought, this is so nice, and it's so quiet and peaceful. And then I remembered that I'm an adult, and that if a neighbor had seen that, my goodness, they, pro- they would have thought I collapsed or something. So I quickly, I get up, I kind of dust myself off, and I go in the house, and Joe, my wife, is standing there, ashen-faced, with the cell phone in her hand, and said, the neighbor across the street did see what you did, and thought that you had collapsed. And so I said, I'm okay, but okay, thank goodness, had something happened to me, that could have saved my life. And then on our other side, our next door neighbors, this summer, we shared custody of a groundhog who, who we named Winston. And Winston ha- apparently has a pied a terre uh, beneath my neighbor's back deck. And Winston sneaks over to our backyard for the dandelion buffet. And we got to know each other really well over text message because whenever we would have a Winston sighting, we'd, we'd let each other know. And then as Winston's palate expanded and he got all over the block, we all got to know each other really well as we kind of chased this little guy and try to figure out how to take care of it in the most humane way possible. We have not resolved this problem yet, by the way. So we got to know our neighbors a little bit better, and, and it really was pretty lovely. In a, t- in a world where, where so much is going wrong, where it seems like we've forgotten how to honor the dignity of our neighbors in the world, it's really great to be able to look out your front door and to see actual neighbors who are there for us. Good neighbors are easy to love. A lawyer tests Jesus and asks how he might inherit eternal life. And Jesus answers with a teaching on neighborliness. Jesus takes this question of inheritance. 
which calls to mind images of future rewards and entitlement and family ties, and he turns that around. Eternal life, he said, it, is, it isn't a, an ancestral birthright, and it isn't simply something that's, that's waiting for us in the great beyond. We see God's kingdom today through faith and mercy. We see it when we bind up the broken or when we let others tend our wounds. Love God with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, Jesus says, and love your neighbor as yourself. To which the lawyer replies, and who is that exactly? Jesus spoke expansively, and yet the man wanted to narrow the field. He wanted a clear definition of who his neighbor was, something that would allow him the satisfaction of checking that box, right? Everybody loves to check the box that says they're doing the right thing, while also being relieved of any responsibility for someone who might fall outside that or someone that he just doesn't want to be on the inside of the box. Because for him, and most of us really, neighbor already means something. To him, neighbor meant fellow Israelite. To us, it means our family, our denomination, our, or our actual neighbors who together are tracking the movements of the groundhog. It means... It can mean our fellow Americans, or it can mean our political compatriots. It can mean our class, our networks, our people. Which is why Jesus responds not with a longer checkbox, but with a story. A story whose cast of characters is the most offensive group of people he can think of because they so disrupted the image in that crowd of what entitlement and self-righteous was all about. Who exactly is my neighbor? Now, you know the cast of characters. There's, there's the priest, there's the Levite, there is the Samaritan. We know all this from Sunday school. Now, the priest and the Levite, they were the standards of upright churchmanship, either as ritual keepers of the temple or as the religious class who symbolized God's special relationship with the people of Israel. Now, I've, I've heard the explanation that the priest actually had a really good reason for this. And, and that is that um, if, if the priest touched this person who is bleeding, and if they touched blood, then they were no longer pure and would have to go through, through days of ritual purification. And, and his day runner was already filled with things he had to do, and he just couldn't be bothered with having to go through all that. That story is out there, but I don't really buy it. I mean, yes, it, it is embedded in that temple tradition, but I think this story has always been about religious hypocrisy. That if ritual is more important than love, then what's the point? Then what's the point? And the same thing could be said about the Levite. 
He was a symbol of religious aristocracy, but in the end, he was just a high-ranking guy who didn't want to be troubled with what was right there in front of him. But the Samaritan... Now, he, he is an interesting person because you, you've heard he's the good guy, right? He's the good Samaritan. Not true for the people who are hearing this. I, I always love watching movies and you see folk, folk theater happening and everybody knows who the characters are and everybody knows who the good guys and the bad guys are. And when the bad guys come on stage, everybody boos and, and throws rotten lettuce at them. That's who we're talking about. That's who the Samaritan was to the people who were hearing these stories. And the Samaritans were, they were also Jews, which meant that there was a rivalry there. And it made this idea of who is my neighbor that much more complicated. When the, when the Israelites had been sent centuries ago into exile in Babylon, the Samaritans were the Jews who, this is centuries ago, before, mind you, stayed behind. The Samaritans dared to build themselves a temple that wasn't in Jerusalem. This was a schism marked by painful experience. And to the Israelite mind, Samaritans were scabs, appeasers, religious hacks, with a sham temple. Once a Samaritan, always a Samaritan. Am I right? That's right. So, and yet, it was this horrible traveler, this Samaritan, boo, come on, come on, come on, boo. Yeah, there we go. Please don't throw lettuce. All right. He was the one who knew a neighbor when he saw one. It wasn't just his own countrymen. It wasn't just his own church folk. He met a man broken and wounded and left for dead. And he saw a neighbor. This is what neighborliness looks like. And now Jesus was saying to this lawyer asking the questions and to anyone else who is listening, this, not just the person who is in the ditch, not only is he your neighbor, but this Samaritan, this rival, this person who you want to boo and keep on the outside, that is who your neighbor is as well. Learn to love that person as yourself and you will discover eternal life. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we're not talking about the ones who are easy to love. Not the ones who look like you and think like you and act like you, who shop like you and dress like you or vote like you. That's easy. We already know how to do that one. Love the ones who aren't so easy to love. Love the ones who have been forgotten and left behind, marginalized and left out in the cold. The ones who aren't so easy to love because that's when the kingdom of God gets real. That's when we get a taste of eternal life. When we open up through our affection and self-giving a window on God's infinite love right here and right now. The lawyer 
tried, and that's, I'm not taking a shot at lawyers, by the way. I mean, some of my favorite lawyers are here today. He, these really all of us, the ones who want to clarify what exactly the neighborhood is, and usually along the lines that we already know. But what Jesus wanted to do was to recreate it entirely. Now, there, this wasn't a totally new idea. This idea of neighborliness beyond the familiar confines of our block, those were deeply embedded in Jewish tradition. The story of Ruth that we started this morning is about that too. It's a daughter-in-law who chooses to leave her home country to stay by Naomi's side, even after all the bonds of marriage had died away. Through love and affection and fidelity, God recreates our families, not along bloodlines, but around the raw materials of love and affection. Pure affection and caring for our neighbors, it breaks down boundaries. But it also awakens us to the immediate presence of the eternal. Teacher, what must we do to obtain eternal life? Jesus tells us that neighborliness is not simply an obligation. It is also a gift Yes, we are bound to those in need, to those next door neighbors who could use a hand taking a few branches from a tree. But we are also bound to each and every person in our city who does not have enough to eat or a safe and warm home in which to stay. We are to care for them as the Samaritan cared for the traveler. But this obligation is also a gift because it is in these relationships of love and mercy that we see God face to face. And in a world where we increasingly gravitate towards communities of radical like-mindedness, where our homogeneity makes it easier than ever to love our familiar neighbor, Jesus suggests that our true neighbor is to be found out there, out on the exposed and dangerous highways, or even in the ditches beside the road. That's where we meet the ones who are harder to love, at least at first, until we actually get to know them and see the face of God in them. And it's precisely there. It's precisely in those moments when we open our hearts. It's precisely in those moments where we expand our neighborhood that we share in the kingdom of God. Amen.